officially open. Draft season is here, or at least the college football season is here. <laughs> Joining us to talk about it and more is our good friend, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, who's in Mobile before his travels begin for college football season. Their watch list for 2024 just came out. Jim, thank you so much for being with me. How has your quote-unquote offseason treated you? <laughs> hey, John. Uh, it's good, man. It's, it's uh, Football's here. There's no... Uh... There's not much of an offseason. You know, we, we kind of get about the same schedule you probably got. You know, you, you got I'm sure you wrap up OTAs up there and, uh, you know, get four or five weeks off. And we're, we're pretty similar uh, month of July. We have a, a Hall of Fame golf tournament that Coach Daves came down to. Um, and then we, we kind of went our own ways for about a month and then got back here late, late July and cranked back up. Yeah, and by the way, your watch list is impressive. Congratulations on figuring out what team all these players are on and whether or not they're actually seniors, because it's impossible. Okay, so a couple of things. One, we were at 720 players. I hated I hated having that many. Um, we're usually under 500. I like to keep it under 500. Again, I just don't like filling guys with a lot of false hope, right? But this is a weird year. With, with the COVID year, the, the reason the number's so big is uh, the extra COVID year. A lot, got, a lot of guys have used that. So so the, the class is bigger. Um, that's one thing. I think NIL money is keeping guys in school, um, guys, that, which is a good thing, a really good thing. You know, I want to say uh, we got some numbers from the league office over the summer. I, want, I, I think this thing with the juniors peaked in 2019. There was over 140 juniors came out in that draft. Um, and then this past year, I think it was somewhere down in the 70s. So it's almost cut in half, which is great, man. You know, like a lot of these players were making decisions. They were making they were making decisions for their family, right? Like for a family hardship situation that maybe wasn't the best football decision for them. So so now, I mean, that to me, that's the best thing that's come out of NIL is that these guys can take care of their families um, and, and really stay on track with football and make the right decisions when it comes to their football. But what that's done is create this huge, ridiculously big 720 person watch list. So, and, and you're right. Like the hardest part for our in-house staff is, um, you know, we had all the scouting assistants, our DFO, like everyone was, was Googling and going to all the bios and making sure we're on the same page. And, and we still put out the watch list. And because of portal, we probably had four or five schools reach out. Um, and say, hey, this guy's not even at our school anymore because <laughs> we, we like to give the SIDs kind of a heads up so they can make some graphics and help us promote the, the watch list thing. And, yeah, we had about four or five guys that were, were now somewhere else. So we, we had to clean that up before uh, we put the list out the other day. All right, so 720 guys. We have plenty of time here. So let's go player by player, Jim. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> basics, besides the size of the list, how does this group of players compare to some of your watch list of years past since you've been uh, with the senior bowl? I will say, you know, everyone wants to talk about quarterbacks, so we can start there. It is a much bigger list than normal. Um, on an average year, I would say that realistically there's, there's probably 10 to 15 guys that, that if they play well, will, will be in consideration. I, I really think that number is closer to 25 this year. We've got so many guys um, in new places, which is which is a weird spot. You know, like we like Brandon Armstrong a couple of years ago, Virginia, two years ago, you know, last year, new new staff comes in. It, it, it kind of didn't go really well for anyone on the Virginia offense. So now he's at NC State. He's replacing Devin Leary, 
who is now at Kentucky, right? We're, we're all going to be watching Notre Dame this weekend, um, then play Navy, and you're going to see Sam Hartman, who we're yeah. all used to seeing in a Wake Forest uniform and a Notre Dame uniform. So, um, and then another, I mean, last year we, we invited Bo Nix and Keaton Slovis, um, Bo Nix at Oregon, who, who is going back to school right now. He's our top graded quarterback. But we invited Keaton Slovis from Pitt, and he went back, but he didn't go back to Pitt. He went back to BYU. So um, a lot of unknowns at quarterback. I would say positions of strength, um, offensive line, particularly tackle, which is good news. To, it's music to the ears about everyone in the NFL because I don't care who you are outside of maybe like the Eagles and a couple other teams. I mean, everyone's looking for offensive line depth. And uh, and the interior defensive line is, is a really strong group this year, at least at least compared to the last couple of years, that DT, the, the one techniques, the three techniques, um, it looks like it's shaping up to be a really good senior class. Yeah. And that's frankly been, I think a shallow class in the last few drafts. So I think it's time it that, has. That, that, that some of those guys have kind of come along, you know, every year you get position groups where they're frankly guys just come out as underclassmen more often. As you take a look at this list, are any positions maybe a little bit more bare because maybe we've had a lot of underclassmen come out early. I know cornerbacks is usually one of those groups. Yeah, corners is one of those groups, John, but I, I'm just getting into that group myself right now. Like our staff has graded all those guys, and I'm trying to watch everyone fifth round and higher on our board. Um, and I work from quarterback across our board, which goes from offense to defense, and I end up in the back end. So I just got to the secondary, and I, I kind of like this cornerback group. Um, I really think there are some good players in there. And we saw some guys last year kind of rise up out of our game, Josh Brents from Kansas state ended up going pretty early in the second round of the, to uh, the Colts. Uh, I think we're going to see, we're going to see a, a good corner class. I would say, um, you know, I think the last couple off the ball linebacker groups has been thin and it looks kind of thin again this year. Um, that's been a hard position for us to find. Um, and then running back, you know, I think there's, there's some unproven running backs that I think they have talent, but now they're going to be in more prominent roles. I know George has got a couple couple guys on this year's list and they were behind Kenny McIntosh who played in our game last year. So there are some guys that have something to prove, but uh, running back and corner are usually uh, our two spots where the juniors it's uh, pretty junior heavy, heavy position groups. And Ohio state is a couple of running backs too, that have dealt with injuries and stuff like that. We'll see if they can um, kind of put things together and Georgia stacking talent, really having guys behind really good <laughs> players that they're ready to go. I, I, I can't believe it. Shocker, right? Yeah, I know. Uh, I know you put kind of round grades on these guys. What does it look like in terms of number of potential first rounders? I know Jared versus one guy that jumps out to me who probably would have been a top 15 pick last year, right? If he would have came out and he's someone that's that, that I know was around. If you don't want to do names, you don't have to, but how many guys do you see on your list that either now have a first round grade or you think could rise by the end of the year to be potential first round picks? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, it, I would say a quarterback Bo Nix might have a chance. You know, he 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 and Hennon Hooker were the two guys at quarterback for us last year that when we started this process last year on the watch list, they were we had them in the fourth round. And they in in Bo and Hendon were the two guys that that ended up in day two for us. Uh, everyone else we we still had day three grades on. Um so so maybe Bo, I don't know if there's a running back um that's a senior running back that's gonna get into the first round. I think at wide receiver again. Uh, maybe Roma Dunzi at, at Washington. Um, you know, there's a couple offensive linemen in that group. Defensive Jared Burst on the edge for sure. Uh, maybe a couple of the interior defensive linemen might get there. And 
and, and maybe a couple of these corners. So, you know, senior wise, like I saw Dane Brugler put out his top 50 this year and I saw Matt Miller put out for ESPN, put out his mock first round. I think, I think Matt had four or five seniors in his mock first round. Um, Dane had a handful of, of seniors in that top 50, which, which I like John, like, because when, when the media gets on these guys, first round picks when the agents try to convince them not to come, come to mobile. So, um, I, I do. I think there's a handful. I think right now, like if I had to ballpark it, maybe eight or nine guys um, overall across the board that could end up being a first round picks. You, you know, you mentioned the quarterbacks briefly before. I think Dane had 20 to 25 senior quarterbacks, like as potential drafted players. Is this the deepest group you've ever seen? It, it, from pure depth. Yeah. And again, a lot of those guys, a lot of them are unproven or they, they were proven at other places and now they're new places. And um, so if they were really proven, why would they be at another place? You know, so there's there's a lot of uncertainty. It, it, I would say, you know, Bo Nix is, is pretty solidified, um, is probably a day two player. I think Jaden Daniels from LSU for me was was the most improved quarterback in college football last year from beginning to end. I think everyone's on Joe Milton right now at Tennessee because he, he, he's got some Anthony Richardson to him in terms of the the high-end physical traits. I mean, he, he basically did exactly what Anthony Richardson did a year ago at the Manning camp this year. He launched the ball like 85 yards, and then he did a backflip. So I don't know if he was taking that script exactly from Anthony Richardson, but he, he basically did the same exact thing. So we'll see where Joe Milton goes in kind of his, his first year as, the, as being the guy at Tennessee. And, and that's different than maybe coming in and playing in the bowl game like he did and, and playing really well against Clemson. And I think he had one start at the end of the year, too, but, you know, he and I talked about it at the Manning camp this summer. They, this is a new year. It's your team. So, you know, people are going to be gunning for you. They have the book on you now. They've been studying you in the offseason. So um, big year for Joe Milton. But, yeah, it's 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 definitely the deepest class. Uh, it's going to be a hard class to cut down to six players. I know that for sure. That's going to be that's not going to be easy. For our FCS fans out there, Division Two, Division Three fans, Jim, you do a great job of making spots in your game available to guys that are not FBS players. Uh is that a deep group this year? Are there a lot of guys who are some of the guys that, that your scouts have really liked that maybe fans, if they watch some of these lower conferences or lower divisions, they might want to keep an eye on. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think the NIL's done, you know, done some really good things. Like we talked about helping some players out. I think, uh, I think with the portal in NIL, it's, it's pulled all those small school players up um, whether that's the group of five or, or all the way up to power five. This year's watch list, it was really hard, um, you know, to get a lot of small school players on there, quite frankly. I mean, we're usually when, when on our roster every year, at least over the past five years since we got here. I mean, we're usually in that eight to 12 range of uh, FCS D2 players in the game. And and man, right now, if we had to pick a roster, maybe three or four guys. So wow. we're real. It's quickly cutting into into that group. So hopefully some of those guys that stayed. Um, at that level raise up, I would say this, like there's a, ta a big tackle at Yale. Um, I know Kieran's his first name. I, I'm really, I'm a stickler on getting people's names right. So the pronunciation, I do not want to butcher this young man's name. Um, I, I, I should have brought the tag down from our, our board and just shown you the <laughs> name. Um, you know, then there, there's, there's an edge rusher at William and Mary, who we, we've got a pretty high grade on right now as well. But but overall, that number's down, unfortunately, because I, I love the small school aspect of our game. Yeah, I call a couple games every year for the Northeast Conference up here. And, you know, this year I talked to all the coaches and media. They're like, yeah, 
I lost 12 guys at the, to the transfer pool, eight starters, and it's just the same exact thing you get from every single coach. It's happening all over the place. It's, it's too bad. Yeah, and, and you hate it for those coaches because they were the ones that identified the guy at a high school, right? They're the ones that put in the time to develop him at his position, and then you get him to the point where he could be a draft pick and help your school, you know, help the profile of your recruiting and whatnot. And now you're losing him to a big school. So, man, I, I hate it for those coaches. And we're just talking about transfers. Who are some of those Division One, you know, power conference schools, Jim, that have really, you think, struck gold with the transfer portal this year that maybe fans are not aware of how talented some of these rosters have become? I, I would I would have to start with Florida State, John. Uh, Mike Norvell's done a, done a, done an excellent job in the portal. They got a guy like Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. He's kind of a pass catching F tight end, um, you know, size wise, like we've got him in the board right now at fullback. Like he could maybe do some fullback stuff. He's been a running back at South Carolina. So he's got that body type. Florida state's done a really nice job. Michigan's done a nice job. They've, they, they actually convinced a couple offensive linemen to come there, even though they already had they even though they were already loaded on the offensive line. Um, those are a couple, but there's some good players. Like when, during our Texas swing last week, um, you know, Houston got a, an off the ball linebacker from Oklahoma that they're going to play, you know, as more of an edge player there. He's a Houston native. Um, so he was he was a good player at, at Oklahoma. So I think everyone's doing it. But if you had to if I had to like pinpoint a couple schools, I'd probably say Florida State and Michigan right now. Yeah, let, let let's stick down there in the ACC then Florida State, 14 players on your watches. Miami has 12. Then I was surprised Clemson only six, which is generally, I think, a uh, a little number for that program, right? Yeah, and, and I probably should have mentioned the, the Canes. Uh, Mario Cristobal did a nice job really, really getting their offensive line in shape, right? He got a center from Matt Lee from UCF, who's a draftable player. He got JV and Cohen from Alabama, who's a draftable guard. Um, so they did some good work on that offensive line because they're going to have to protect Siler Van Dyke at quarterback. Um, yeah, six sounds low for Clemson for sure. Um you know, I think a lot of their a lot of their best young talent is is their young younger classes. So uh, that seems like a low number. And yeah, Florida State's pretty loaded. Not just fourteen names. I, I think if you went across the board, at the top of our board by grade, they might have the most highest graded players. Wow. You know, when it all Florida State, Michigan, really those two those two schools in terms of our highest graded like top three rounds, those two schools might have the most. Yeah, and the Big Ten is loaded, too. You mentioned Michigan, 18 players. I know you said they're loaded with offensive linemen, right? They are. You know, Jim Harbaugh made a comment um, that, that, that he feels like they could have 20 players drafted, and I've, I've been asked about that because um, that's my school. I, I went to school at Michigan, and, and so I've done some, some local Michigan media stuff, and they've asked me, is that realistic? And it sounds crazy, right, because I think Ohio State held the record forever. It was 14. It was an Ohio State team back when I worked for the Patriots. And I want to say like 04, 05, I think they were at 14. And that number stood for a long, long time. And then and then I think Georgia beat that a couple of years ago with 15. Um, so it sounds nuts that Jim's saying they could have 20. But when you really break it down, they've got seven offensive linemen on the watch list. They've got, you know, two running backs, Blake Corm, Donovan Edwards. They've got a transfer tight end from Indiana. They've got two wideouts, Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson. They've got the quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, if he comes out. And so I think I just named about 14, 15 guys, and that's not even including the defense. So who knows? They might – maybe they could get there. That's uh, certainly – Michigan's had a really good roster the last two years. They've made the college football playoff. Um, this might be – this might be Coach Harbaugh's best team. 
Yeah, and Ohio State is no slouch either, and they're going to try to knock no. Michigan off. 12 players in your watch list, and then two other Big Ten schools. I guess we used to call them the, the uh, Big 20 now, right? Um, <laughs> Ohio State with 12, Penn State with 13, Illinois with 11. So the Big Ten has plenty of talent again this year, don't they? Yeah, no doubt. Ohio State's always going to be loaded. They 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 do a great job in recruiting and developing their guys, um, and they've, they've got a lot of high-end guys too. That's another – Another school, we've got a bunch of Ohio State guys near the top of the board. Um, Penn State always does a great job. We've had a lot of players in the game from Penn State. And and really what Brett Bielham has done at Illinois, um, that, I'm glad you mentioned them because, you know, we had we had three other DBs committed last year. Sidney Brown and, and uh, Quan Martin ended up ended up here in the game, and they, they won on day two. We had we had uh, our guy here. Jeez, it's ironic. His jersey's sitting right here. We had, nice. uh, we, we had Witherspoon come into the game last year, and then uh, – our guy, Daniel Jeremiah, as soon as he puts Witherspoon as his fifth best player in the game back in January, <laughs> then I, I magically get a call from an agent that uh, Witherspoon's not going to play in the game. So, um, but no, Brett's done an awesome job. They got a couple defensive linemen this year that are, that are up there pretty high on our board and, and some other guys, a couple offensive linemen. So they're good in the trenches, as, as you would expect from a, a Brett Bielema coach team. Um, but yeah, Big Ten. I mean, it's going to be SEC Big Ten every year in the draft. I mean, those two conferences kind of lead the way, so it, it would make sense. They have the most players on a watch list. All right, so let, let's jump now to the SEC, Jim. We'll hit a couple teams here. Um, Tennessee, 19. Ole Miss, 20. LSU, 16, leading the way. And, I mean, no surprise the conference is stacked, but those three teams really stood out to me. Yeah, Ole Miss had the most overall. So, again, not I'm not saying Lane's team's going to win the SEC, but they they that number was so big because they had a lot of guys come in from other places. And uh, talking to their staff, they feel good about some of those guys. So it was, uh, you know, we're just kind of keep staying in the boat with some of those guys, watching their, you know, a lot, a lot of group of five guys. They pulled a lot from the group of five. Um, so we just want to kind of wait it out and see what those guys look like there in Oxford and, and – uh, LSU, I think, is loaded. I know they didn't win the uh, the, the media tally for, for the preseason SEC media on the eastern side that, uh, you know, the, the Crimson Tide still won that boat. If, if, and I did have a boat. I went to SEC media days. I didn't vote, though. Um, I just told a group of Alabama fans today at a luncheon that I, my, my pick would have been LSU. Um, I, think they're, they're, I don't think they're Joe Burrow's LSU team in terms of, like, high-end draftable talent. But they got a lot of good players coming back. And because of Jaden Daniels, I think that's where the difference for me is with, with LSU and Alabama. Alabama's right now still auditioning three guys for, for their starting quarterback job, and, and LSU has Jaden Daniels entrenched. So um, to, me, that's, to me, that's the difference. I think LSU is going to be a really good football team. And then I was, I was surprised to see Auburn with 14, Jim. Yeah, and again, they hit the portal hard. Uh, Hugh Freeze hit the portal hard, so kind of the same rationale as we were with Ole Miss. I told that room there were, that room was kind of split today, Alabama Auburn that I spoke at, and I got asked how Auburn was going to be. I have no clue. Um, I know Peyton Thorne, the quarterback from Michigan State, is certainly I don't think he's going to lose them football games. He's a really solid player. He's played a lot, um, but they've got four new pieces on the offensive line. They went on the portal, hit the portal hard there. They've got a bunch of new names at wide receiver. They've got a kid Hooks from Jackson State who we kind of like, kind of a bigger receiver. But a lot of unknowns. The one thing I do know about Auburn is they could have three or their four DBs here in Mobile. Um, both outside corners and their nickel are really good players. Um, so they're they're good on the back end where where Auburn's maybe a little different this year. They don't have any, you know, big name guys up front on the defensive line. And that's that's where Auburn's kind of made their hay over the years. We we had Derek Hall in the game last year who went, I think Derek went like 
36, 37 to the Seahawks. I forget where he went, but, but early in the second round, um, I don't know where they're going to get their pass rush from, but they're, they are going to be able to cover people um, on the planes this year. You mentioned you took a trip through Texas, the Longhorns. They are a talented team. I know the quarterback room, especially, but they've, I mean, they're really going to try to compete in that conference. And I think they got a shot at it. I mean, yeah, they, they kind of had like a, uh, they were hosting like an NIL night for all their big uh, donors inside the stadium uh, the night I was there for the practice. And they did a lot of, a lot of scrimmage type stuff. And man, you're right about those quarterbacks that there can't be a better room in America than, than what Sark's got there uh, in Austin. And, and they do, they've got some, this, this team is where I think Sark thought he hoped it would be, you know, when he took the job three years ago, they've got, They've got two defensive tackles, Sweat and Collins, who are, are really good players up near the top of their position groups for, for our game. They've got a, a middle linebacker forward. Uh, they've got five DBs. They've got a corner, a nickel uh, Baron, who's a really good player. So, uh, yeah, and, and they're loaded at wide receiver now. They've got a transfer from Georgia who's a younger guy, not a senior bowl guy, but uh, Jordan Whittington at wide receiver. They are going to be be able to throw the ball all over the place. I, they they lost Bijan Robinson. They lost Roshan Johnson, who I think is going to be a good player for the Bears this year. But yeah. uh, I don't know if they're going to have to run it. I think they're going to be able to chuck it all over the place and score a bunch of points. We haven't mentioned Georgia. Do they have a bunch of seniors that were hiding behind guys that came out to the pros that are now going to show up and be like, oh wow, these guys would have been yeah. the best player at that position on like ninety eight percent of the teams in college football. They do. They do. I mentioned that they've got a couple of running backs that were behind Kenny McIntosh. They have a quarterback, Carson Beck, um, who, yeah, he's only played in garbage time the last two years behind Stetson Bennett. But we watched 21 and 22 and the garbage time in 22 is a lot better than it was in 21. So if he <laughs> makes that jump, you know, he could he could be a draftable player. And he was a really highly thought of kid coming out of high school. Um, they've got they're, they're good on the offensive line now. They've got the, the center. Van Fran is, is going to be an NFL starter. Um, Xavier Truss, one of their guards is going to be an NFL starter. They've got a young tackle. I mean, they're, they're good, man. They're, they're, they've been again on defense. You could go to that side of the ball and they've had guys just kind of chomping at the bit to get on the field. So, so they're, uh, they're just reloading. They're not, they're not rebuilding. They're just reloading in Athens. All right, real quick, two teams in the Pac-10 gym that, that jumped out at me, Oregon with 17 players and then Lincoln Riley at USC with 14. Yeah, Lincoln's done a great job uh, built, like really building that thing, and it helps when you have the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. But I'll say like he's going to get great protection. I think they have three or four guys on our watch list on the offensive line, three or four draftable guys up front, so they will be able to protect Caleb Williams, and he'll be able to do his thing. And then uh, Oregon, they have some really good players, like Jordan Birch in the transfer portal from South Carolina is a really toolsy, you know, great testing defensive lineman. Um so yeah, I, I think uh, I think Dan Lanning is is ready to with Bo Nix, right? The, you know you got the quarterback, and I think they've plugged in some some pieces. I think that D line is going to be good out west. I think they're going to have a hard time blocking blocking Oregon's D line, and then and really Washington's kind of loaded too with Michael Penix at quarterback. They got two wideouts like I mentioned, Roma Dunsey. They got uh, McMillan there at wide receiver as well. Uh, they got some guys on the offensive line. One of their left tackles, one of the best offensive linemen this year's class, senior wise. Uh, Fatanu, Troy Fatanu. So uh, they're good, man. Those, those, the, 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 sadly enough, like ironic as it is, like the Pac 12s falling apart right now. And some of these teams are going to be, they're going to, there's going to be some good football played out west this year.
Now, Jim, I want to ask you about a couple guys on the Giants here before we say goodbye. They have a couple senior bowl players or a few that they drafted this year. Uh, John Michael Schmitz, obviously, and Eric Gray, two of the guys that attended the game. What should Giant fans expect from those guys? And in year one where you can be swimming early, but I know you're big fans of the players. Yeah, I, I think John Michael is he's equipped to come in and, and play at a pretty good level right away. Again, you're plugging him in at center and there's a lot on a center. The nice thing is he's got a super smart quarterback in Daniel Jones who knows what he's doing. He's not going to have to carry the load by himself. But I think John Michael's used to being a center, right? I, I, I heard I heard the Giants offensive line coach talk about that a little bit. They've been they've been playing guys there that are good players and have done a decent job in there for them. But they haven't had like a guy that's a center. Right. And uh, that's what John Michael is. So I think he'll play at a pretty good level as a rookie center. And uh, so that's a good one. And then Eric Gray, you know, I think that uh, I think they, I, I know they were really excited to get him where they got him, whatever that was, fifth or sixth round. Fifth round, yeah, fifth. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, uh, you know, Joe Shane and I were going back and forth a little bit about that on draft, you know, during the draft. And uh, I know he was he was pumped. They were kind of staring him in the face like they didn't think they would be so. Um, you know, going back and watching some of these offensive linemen from, from Oklahoma over the summer, man, you kind of forget how good some of these guys were. Like, I'm watching, I'm like, how did Eric, I'm watching the tape, like, how did Eric Gray last in the fifth round? And I think that just, it, it's, it, it, it validates what's going on at the position right now. You guys lived it over the summer with Saquon. Um, and, you know, the franchise came to a point where, you know, I'm glad there was a resolution to that thing. Um, but, man, guys like Eric Gray shouldn't last in the fifth round. Like, comparatively yeah. at other positions, He's a way better player as a running back than other guys that their positions were in the fifth round, if that if that makes any sense. So um, he'll be a good change of pace back, man. The one thing he can do is make people miss and, uh, and, and do it really well. So in the pass game and the run game, get the ball in his hands. He can create. And uh, so he's a really he's a really cool complimentary back. He's not the power guy that Saquon is, you know, but in terms of having a shifty guy that can make people miss and, and, and get him in space. Uh, and I know Dave's can do that. You know, he, he's going to figure out a way to use his playmakers. Um, he's kind of a, for, for, I know everyone's getting ready to do their fantasy drafts. Eric Gray is kind of a, a cool, like late round at the end of the draft, to, like get him on your roster and, and see what, see what coach Dayball can do with him. hundred percent. And I thought I read this, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you guys extend the senior bowl invite to Trey Hawkins, the corner out of old dominion last year, or was that bad information I found on the old internet? No, it was bad information. Um, no, we did. We did not. I actually saw Trey play um, ODU came in here last year and played South Alabama, like late in the year, like Thanksgiving weekend. And we had Nick Saldaveri, one of their offensive linemen. So I went to the game to meet Nick and uh, I remember their coaching staff where it was really talking up Trey and uh, they were like, you know, he's probably not a senior bowl guy. might not be a senior bowl guy, but, but we think he's got a chance to get drafted. So, is, is he making noise up there? Is he doing a good job? Uh, right now, Jim, it looks like when the Giants are in nickel, he's going to be the starting outside corner with Deontay Banks, and they're going to slide Adore Jackson into the slot. I mean, the wow. traits have shown, and, and Wink is kind of asking him to do what his traits allow him to do, just play, you know, kind of man-to-man inside technique and use your length. And, you yep. know, look, we'll see week one against Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, <laughs> but in camp so far, he's done a pretty good job. Well, that that's that's great to hear, man. I love to hear those stories. Um, I let you know. I love admitting when we were when we were when we didn't get a player right. If he ends up being a really good player, then we missed on him. But um, I think that speaks to Wink's coaching, right? I mean, ask a guy to do that's good coaching. Ask a guy to do what he can do um, to play to his strengths and play him outside, and then move a Dory inside. That's just that's just good coaching. All right, final question, Jim. Before we say goodbye, how has your process changed at all, or improved, or different? 
as you've kind of been in this game for a few years now, how you've built your staff, how you go around your scouting process, uh, kind of how has it gone and, and what might be new or different this year or what have you learned along the way? Yeah, we haven't changed the process too much because, you know, we, we really, you know, we got the tape. That was the big thing we got here. There wasn't even tape. And we, the, the league wasn't even getting all-star games tape at that point. So oh, we wow. had to, we had to convince the league to give us the tape so we could watch it. So that was the first step of the process. And then, and then it was, you know, getting some real scouts on board here. Some guys with NFL experience, really excited about this year's staff. Um, we've got 11 former NFL guys with over 200 years of experience, not, not to exclude anyone, but like Scott McLuhan, um, who was the GM of the 49ers and, and, and had some great drafts there in the Washington football team. Scott's going to be doing a lot of work for us. Mark Gorsak, who every, anyone that watches the combine knows Mark Gorsak because he's the guy that starts him on the 40-yard line for the 40-yard dash, the former Steelers scout. So Gors is with us. Um, you know, Walter Julep is back for year two with us. Walter is a, you know, a 37-year NFL veteran scout. He scouted for every coach in Cowboys history. Um, so we've got, we've got some really good guys, man, really well-connected guys. And, uh, you know, we can't be at a school every day. We don't have that kind of budget. So to be at the games on Saturdays, be connected and having scouts, quite frankly, that when they call college coaches are going to pick up the phone, um, you know, and other, in other scouts and just in using those connections, using, using our relationships the best we can. Um, so yeah, we, we believe in our process. And again, that part of the big part of our process is having good people. No question about it. Go to seniorbowl.com slash watch list to check out the watch list. Over 700 players. It's fantastic. And Jim, you did a great job of making the Senior Bowl something people are now paying attention to more than just, you know, two weeks in, in January, right? So tell the folks everything you guys are doing down there, anything they should know about as the college football season and the, and the draft season really starts to kick off here. Well, John, thanks for saying that. I will say this. If, if you're not following us on Twitter and you, and you still want to, like, if you don't want the draft to jump, you're like, like get on you late in January. If you want to follow this thing and be ahead of the curve a little bit on your friends, um, follow us on Twitter. Um, my thing is Jim Nagy underscore SB. So what I'll, what we'll do is, you know, I, I just taught, reference our scouting staff. We'll be at, you know, 12, 13, 14 games every single Saturday in what our scouts do. Um, they're, they're down on the field during pregame and they're getting right up in the pregame warmup. So when the DBs are peddling and, you know, breaking on balls, like we are right up there when the offensive linemen, are down there getting in their pass sets and going through their pass set stuff. When the receivers are running routes, we're, we try to bring the fans down to the field with us because a huge part of the evaluation process is the body type and what these guys look like. And you can't see that really on TV. So we, we try to get our guys right up in that stuff. And then they send the videos to me from the field. They shoot it right to me. And then I'll post it from, from my handle. And we're posting about 30 to 40 players um, wow. every Saturday. So, and I'll put a little scouting report with, you know, for each guy and kind of what we, we feel about those guys. And, and really John, one of the most rewarding things over the last five years is that I've had feedback from, from GMs that, you know, what Joe Shane's life is like. I mean, you see him on the road, you travel with him. Um, he doesn't have a ton of time to like sit and watch college tape during the fall. So I've had GMs tell me, Jim, every Saturday night, part of what we do after we have team meeting or team snack or whatever, I get back to the room. Like I'll, I'll go to your Twitter feed and I'll scroll and I feel like that's at least I'm getting some work on the college side done that year. And I can't tell you how much that means because, you know, we're really trying to do this for the 32 teams and the, the scouting departments that, I mean, to have a GM say, have GM say that they do that, that means a ton. So if you're a fan, if you love following the draft year round, you know, give us a follow and, and uh, 
So when we get to senior bowl time, combine time, you'll have a, you'll have a, a huge jump start on, 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 uh, on this year's class. And are you guys going to have the NFL staffs again, the, the two full ones, or are you going to have the, the mix and mash again? So that was decided this summer, every, you know, our game and all the other all-star games that the league is affiliated with are going to have the, the, the mixed staffs. Okay. Um, I, I think it worked really go good. for you, by the way, did you like it? I did. You know, I had some apprehension. I let the league office know that I'm not going to, I wasn't <laughs> real happy with it. Um, Cause you know, for 73 years, we had the full staffs and it was kind of, it's kind of part of what the senior bowl is all about. Right. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, thrilled with it. But once we got the groups down here, it was really a cool experience. And, and again, selfishly for me, I mean, I loved connecting with a lot of these young coaches um, and, and to see those guys grow in new roles was really cool. And I think we had like six guys within about a month of the senior bowl, like get jobs, either promotions at their current place or new promotions elsewhere. So I think the league saw that and they're like, wow, this is, this is a good model. So um, that's what we're going to have. And, and again, now that we've been through it, um, it was really cool. Really my, our apprehension, not to like go off on too much of a tangent was when we had the full staffs, they brought everybody, they brought the whole football operation. So the PR guys came, the trainers came, the equipment came. Um, and now we, we had to figure out how to, how to do that on our own. Right. So we, we had the equipment staffs from Georgia and LSU come in. Uh, we partnered with the Andrews Institute, Dr. James Andrews, who operates on all these NFL players. They're right. We're lucky. They're in our backyard in Pensacola. So they came in to do the training. So we went through it last year. We figured it out. Um, and it, it ended up being a really cool thing. Well, good to hear, Jim. Enjoy the season. Uh, enjoy your travels. And we'll talk to you again as we get a little bit closer to, to when people start focusing on the draft, man. Have fun. All right, John. Good, good luck this year, man. Good luck to you. Appreciate it. Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Senior Bowl. Thanks for joining us on Draft Season. Tony Pauline rejoins us next week. We'll see you then.